0: Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you turn to the book of Luke, turn to the book of Luke in your Bibles, chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, and we're going to get into it, and we're going to start unpacking this. We're going to try to clarify it, bring some, bring some life to this vision, and where are we going in the next, in the, uh, in the next, uh, this year? right? So, uh, Luke chapter 4, if when you get this, if you guys would stand to your feet for me, if you'd stand to your feet. And again, I always say this, I remind you every week, uh, there's, there, there's nothing magic about standing to our feet. It's a tradition, and it's something we do, but it signifies something to us. And what it signifies is, this is the Word of God, and God is speaking. He's speaking. God, the Creator, is speaking to a group of folks in Bloomington, Minnesota right now. He's going to speak to us, I see, we want to give ears to it. This is chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 14. It says this. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues, and was praised by everyone. And when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and stood up to read the Scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll. And found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll. He handed it back to the attendant, and then he sat down. And all the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently let's pray so father we thank you for your word we thank you that you speak through your word we thank you that you bring us truth we thank you father and we're believing that you have a word for us for cedar valley church you have a word for us this morning and so we we say lord unpack your word and bring it to life holy spirit that's work that only you can do you're the one who's going to have to speak holy spirit so right now we just prepare to hear from the holy spirit speak clearly do it in a way that draws you to us. Draw, do it in a way that reveals God, Holy God, who you are. Reveal yourself to us, and we pray all this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Well, one of the things that I really enjoy, and I don't know if you, how many of you just enjoy our worship time when we sing, we worship. Yeah, I love it. I love the way we worship. I love it. And and I don't know if you're like me. I'm saying so I love to sing. I don't sing particularly well. But I love to sing, and we sing, and we worship. And this morning, we were, we were worshiping, and we're singing. We say, you give hope, you restore, and the drums like, right? And we hear that, and we say, great are you, Lord, and we, oh, and I just feel that, and I'm singing aloud, and I, every bit of me feels that. Or I'm in my car, and I turn on the radio, and I just, right? And it's just, it's worship, and I feel it. When I'm here this morning, we're worshiping together, I Feel it. I feel it and I feel God is speaking to me. And when we worship, so oftentimes that's what's happening. How many of you know sometimes you don't feel it? You ain't feeling it. Man, follower of Jesus, surrendered my life to Jesus, committed my life to Jesus. Holy Spirit is living in me, and there's times when I don't feel it. I'm not feeling it. How many of you know that the devil doesn't want you to feel empowered like that? You're, Okay, like are we all on the same page? How many people believe there's a God? Okay, how many believe that there are also uh, demons, that there's a devil? Okay, how many of you know that the devil does not want you to experience victory in your life? And so sometimes, man, sometimes I feel it. Sometimes I feel victorious. Sometimes I feel empowered. Sometimes I feel that. And sometimes I don't. And sometimes we can feel entangled and entrapped. Sometimes we feel discouraged and we feel defeated. That's what the enemy wants. That's what the enemy wants. He doesn't want you to experience it. How is it that we experience that, right? That, that's what we're talking about today. Like, how is it that we experience the opposite of that? How is it that we, we experience like we're not defeated? We're not discouraged. We're not entangled and entrapped, and we're feeling like this. How is it that we don't feel that? And the real question that we're really asking this morning is this. How do I experience real freedom, how do I experience freedom? And freedom's important, and here's why. Because freedom, when you experience freedom, that's when victory comes, like that's where you experience victory. That's where you have victory is, when you're, is freedom, right? You have victory from all kinds of things. Maybe, maybe there's some kind of addiction that you have. Maybe it's an addiction to shopping. Maybe you're addicted to social media. Maybe you're addicted to TV. Maybe you're addicted to porn. Maybe you're addicted to drugs or alcohol. And there's freedom from that. There's freedom, that's victory. That's where victory happens. It's in that freedom. Right? That's where we experience the power of God working in our lives. The power of God working through our lives. That's where you experience that is when you experience freedom. The question that we're asking this morning is, how do I experience real freedom? That's what we're going to look at this morning. We'll unpack that. We'll look, at, look at the passage of Scripture. Look in your Bible. Look at Luke chapter 4. Look at what he says here. It says, then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. Now then, it's important contextually, then it's important. Because earlier in Luke, Luke told you about Jesus came down to the Jordan River and he was baptized by John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Jesus, note, everybody, Jesus submitted himself to baptism. Somebody? Nobody. Okay, listen, I'll say it again. Jesus (laughs) submitted himself to baptism. And some of us, like, I'm just, I'm just trying to speak an encouraging word. I know, I always feel like the guy who's yelling at everybody. I'm just trying to speak an encouraging word. Man, if you haven't been baptized as an adult, as a believer in Christ, where you make a conscious decision, we've got another one coming up, December 3rd. We just had one a couple weeks ago. It's exciting. It's exciting to see folks follow in believers' baptism, Right? Like right? Jesus himself submitted himself to be baptized. And then he comes up out of the Jordan River, and it says, get a load of this, he was led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay? So Jesus has done like, for 40 days he was out there, he fasted, he's been tempted by the devil on three separate occasions, right? Jesus is tempted. Then, pst, then he returns to Galilee. Now remember this, the nation of Israel is like a giant strip like this, right? The northernmost region is called Galilee. That's where the Sea of Galilee is. And in the middle is where you have, and by the way, Jesus grew up up in Galilee, the town of Nazareth, up in Galilee. And then you have Samaria. You don't go there because the Samaritan dogs are there. That's what they call them. Those were kind of their enemies, the Samaritans. And then the lowest region is called Judea. Judea is where the city of Jerusalem is. That's where the Dead Sea is. You kind of see the nation of Israel. It's the Sea of Galilee. The Jordan River goes all the way down and it runs into the Dead Sea. Now he's back up in Galilee. That's the region where Jesus grew up. It says he returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. Remember Jesus? Remember Jesus? He's back. He's back. He's here. He grew up here. Do you remember Jesus? Remember that? And then he goes on and he says he taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. This was a habit. I don't know if you knew this. Jesus, just, he's a guest lecturer all the time. He just stops in. Hey, we have an exciting guest today, everybody, Jesus. And he teach in the synagogues. Right? And at this point, things are about to change. I think you all know that. Things are going to change. At this point, he's praised by everyone. Everyone loves Oh, that's Jesus. A wonderful teacher. He's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Like they liked him at this point, right? Then he goes on and he says, When he came to the village of Nazareth, hometown, village, of Nazareth, hometown, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. Now, I just want to make another little point here. Jesus himself, His custom on the Sabbath was to go to the synagogue and worship. That's what he did. How much more do we need it? I need it. Like, I think we need that. That's our custom. That's our custom. Now, I know things are very different today. I know that. Because when I was a kid, mm mm-mm. I mean, first of all, nothing was open. How many of you remember that? Nothing was open on a Sunday. We couldn't go get milk on a Sunday. And even if you were a kid, and, and every once in a while we are like, mom, ugh, not good today, mom, got to stay home. Meet the press? That's the only thing was on TV. <laughs> like you're eight years old, there was no cable. Nothing was going. We went to church. Let me just encourage you, gather, worship together. That was Jesus' custom. As usual, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he stands up to read the scriptures. Then Luke goes on, and he tells us, the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, they didn't have a Bible, they didn't have it, right? The scroll is handed to him. Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. And he unrolls the scroll. So the scroll was not his choice. The scroll was handed to him. But it says, he found the place where this was written. So just understand this. What Jesus is about to read is intentional. Intentional. I mean, Jesus knew the the, the prophet Isaiah. He knew that. He could have pointed anywhere he wanted to. No, 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 no. I went to this place. Jesus is fixing to read something and tell them something. He says a scroll, and he found the place where this was written. Luke goes on. And he says, the Spirit, now remember, he's he's intentional about this. He's in Isaiah. This is the the prophet Isaiah speaking. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now, is Isaiah talking about himself? No, he's a prophet. Isaiah is writing about the Messiah who would come. Isaiah is telling us the the prophet, the the Messiah who's coming, is going to say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah, for he has anointed me, the Messiah to bring good news to the poor. Now, if you didn't know this, just know this. Right now, as you read this, you're in a time warp. You're right in the middle of a time warp. Because the prophet Isaiah wrote this almost 700 years prior to this, and now Jesus himself reads it. And then Luke goes on and he says this. He has sent me, the Messiah, speaking from the prophet Isaiah, he has sent me, the Messiah, to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. This is all the Messiah who is speaking us through the prophet Isaiah. And then he says this, he rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and he sits down. And all the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Why? Because in the synagogue, what you do, there's an order to the synagogue usually. Usually you came in and, and there was a, a prayer. There was some uh, worship. There would be some praise. There was a reading from, from the law, from the Mosaic law. Then there would be a reading from the prophets. And then there is a teaching. And you stand up when you read. But in the synagogue, when you're going to teach, you sit down. As soon as you sit down, everybody knows about to teach. And so Jesus sits down, and now, for that reason, because they know, he just read this to us, now he's going to explain to them, he's going to teach us, all the eyes look at him intently. Then he says this, then he begins to speak to them. Now everybody just buckle up, I'm just giving you advance warning. You need to be prepared for this, get ready for this. You're in a time warp, and he says this, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Pow! I'm the Messiah. I am the Messiah. He just claimed deity. Jesus just said that. I'm the Messiah. Okay, if that's the case, if this is Messiah, if he's speaking to them and now he's speaking to us through Luke, what did he say? What did he just say? And we should pay attention to this, so I want to back this up and I want you to notice what he said because he said a couple of things here. He sent me to proclaim that. Okay, these are the things he's been sent to proclaim. Number one, captives will be released. What does that say to you? Freedom. There's gonna be freedom for those who have been in prison. They're captives. They're gonna be free. There's gonna be freedom for them. That the blind will see. There's a type of freedom for those who've been trapped by blindness. There's freedom for them. Number three, that the oppressed will be what? Set free. That the oppressed will be set free. There is gonna be freedom for them. And number four, that the time of the Lord's favor, God's favor, has come. He's speaking here almost of the the year of Jubilee that was seen in the Old Testament. That's, That's a reference back to the year of Jubilee. You know what happened in the year of Jubilee? Anybody who was in prison was set free. He's talking about freedom here. Jesus is talking as the Messiah, recorded from the prophet Isaiah. He's talking about freedom here. Jesus has come and he's proclaiming freedom. That's why Paul says in Galatians, he says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Christ has come to set you free. Christ has come to set me free. Real freedom can only be found in Christ. It can only be, listen, if you're somebody here this morning, you say, oh, Neil, I'm a follower of Christ. I've been a follower of Christ for a long time. I've been baptized. I've been, uh, you name it, I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, man. I've been, and you don't feel it sometimes. You don't feel it. Part of the reason is you've got to lean in. This, this Christian faith thing has got to be intentional. You don't get freedom because you show up at a church service. right? You don't get, you don't get freedom because you drop a little money in a bucket once in a while. You, that's not how we get freedom. We get freedom because we're dialed in, because we lean into Christ. We lean into Christ. And some of you are saying, "Man, I'm a follower of Christ, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm baptized, but I don't feel that. I still feel entangled. I still feel trapped." Man, you got to lean into Jesus. This thing is intentional, and only Jesus will bring you freedom. That's it. That's the only thing. If you're here this morning, you say, "Hey, I don't really call myself a Christian. I'm just checking it out. I'm just interested. I'm just curious. I got a friend who's a Christian, and they brought me to church, and and I've been thinking about this for a while. I want to tell you something." You will only find real freedom in Christ, and Christ wants to set you free. He absolutely wants you to set you free. Some of you in the room know exactly what I'm talking about right now, because you're like, if I'm really honest right now, if I'm really honest, I feel that. I feel entangled. I feel entrapped. I feel defeated. I feel discouraged. Right, freedom is in Christ. Freedom is only in Christ. Real freedom can only be found in Christ. But more than just that, I'm going to send you home with an idea today. This is the big idea I want you to get. Because real freedom is only in Christ. It can only be in Christ. It's so weird. It's so weird to me the way that the culture has just, has just booby-trapped us. And we're starting to believe it. Maybe freedom can be found if I had more money. Like maybe freedom would be found if I had a better job. Maybe freedom is actually found in a relationship with another person. Single people, let me just say some. If your thought right now is, man, if I got married, I would find real freedom. It's awesome! It ain't going to bring you freedom. It ain't going to bring you freedom. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. Man, maybe some of you think, like, you have all kinds of ideas about what could bring you freedom. Listen to me. Listen. Everybody just listen for a minute. Real freedom. Real freedom is only found in a meaningful relationship with Jesus. If you're feeling trapped, if you're feeling entangled, if you're feeling defeated, If you're feeling discouraged, the only way, the only way that that can ever be resolved is not just that you have a relationship with Jesus, but I mean, you have a relationship with Jesus. I mean, you lean into it, and you're intentional. I was just thinking, I I didn't plan this, but I will tell you something I just read the other day that was really interesting for me. Again, there's uh, Jesus, and he's ministering, and he's walking through the streets, and it talks about the fact that people are just leaning in all over him. He's He's just crowded, he's crowded, he's crowded, like people are just leaning, the word that is used is that he was being choked. It, like that it has that metaphoric meaning that he's being choked he's being choked he's being choked and all of a sudden you remember the story he goes hey who touched me and there was a woman who had reached out and she grabbed his garment and he said who touched me and the disciples were like Psst, who touched you brother they're all over you what do you mean one who touched you and a woman she couldn't keep it anymore she's like i was the one i was the one she'd been hemorrhaging for 12 years and she was instantly healed now let me just ask you this think about this for a minute How come she was healed? Everybody else was rubbing up against him. They were brushing up against him. You know what? Nobody else was reaching out for Jesus. Nobody else was grabbing for Jesus. No one else was intentional about Jesus. No one else was pursuing Jesus. No one else was just wrapping their arms around Jesus and pulling him in. This woman did. And you know what happened? She was set free. That's the only way that stuff happens. And I just want to remind us, man, followers of Jesus, if you're, if you're feeling entangled and entrapped and discouraged and defeated, you've got to lean in. It's got to be intentional. You've got to grab for Jesus. Right? But here's the big picture I want you to take home. Not only is it real freedom that comes in Jesus, but you've got to know this, that freedom is a team sport. And I want us to see that this morning, that real freedom is a team sport. Listen to me. Freedom is a team sport. You ain't going to get there on your own. You are not going to get there on your own. That is not going to happen. Listen, Solomon was said to have been the wisest man of the world. And Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And Solomon says this, two people are better off than one. They're better off. Now, this is not talking about marriage. This is not talking about that. It's not talking about that kind of relationship. It's just talking about two people who are friends, who who are together, who are pouring into each other. They're better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Now, watch what he says in the following verse. If one person falls, one is down. Now, just think about this. If one person falls, the other one can pick them up. They can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, uh uh-uh, that is real trouble. You fall alone, and that is real trouble. And I like the NIV because it says, pity the one who falls alone. The Mr. T translation says, pity the fool who falls alone. (laughs) Like, pity the person who falls alone. This freedom thing, this is a team sport. It's a team sport. It's a team sport. And so the question that I have for you this morning is this. Who's on your team? Like, who's on your team? Who, who, who can, yes, but who relationally as well is on your team? Who can speak into your life? Who's going to ask you the tough questions? I like to say it this way. Who do you have in your life that can ask, are you okay, and won't accept, I'm fine for an answer? Like, who do you have in your life saying that? How you doing i'm okay no you ain't and i'm not taking that i asked you a question how are you doing like who do you have in your life that would say that to you how you doing fine yeah me too how you doing fine no you ain't like who's in your life that's going to say that to you who's in your life right listen I've been following Jesus committedly since I was about a sophomore in high school. I committed my life to Jesus, right? I've been following Jesus all these years. I have a buddy, Amos, you know him. I have a buddy that I grew up with. We went to the same school. We went to the same church. Uh, We both went to college together. We lived together at college. After we got out of college, we lived together again. We've been in each other's marriages, uh, weddings, you know. And one day, this is 25 years ago probably, he was at my house, and we started, this this was an eye-opener for me, and we were talking about something, and I was just talking about a very difficult thing in my life, it was kind of a big deal, it was a big deal, and he just stopped me, I remember exactly where we were standing, in my kitchen, I remember it, and he just stopped, and he looked at me, and he was just like, just like that, he just just had that look on his face, he was just like, kneel. If you don't tell me this stuff, how can I pray for you? See, I was about to be alone and fall down. Now, I had a brother who who pursued me. Like, we were just getting together. He just said, and we started meeting together. We started praying together. We started talking about it. We started looking at the scriptures together. Right? I have weeks here, man. I love my job. I love my job. I could never think about doing anything else. But I have weeks here that are difficult. You all have the same thing. You have jobs. You have weeks that are difficult. I have three people that I know pray for me every day. Three people that I can text at any time and just go boop, 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 I get a text back, praying. I get a second text back, praying. I get a third text back, praying. They check in with me. How can I be praying for you? How can I be praying for you? See, they're on my team. Now, I know there are other people that pray for me. I'm just saying, I have three people in particular that are always like, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Do 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 do. Right? Here's my question, who's on your team? Who you got? Who's on your team? Because you can't experience real, real freedom, real freedom alone? No. People always say to me, Well, you know, Neil, you, you don't have to be a part of a church. You don't have to do anything like that to be a Christian. I was like, Well, if you had an airplane crash and you're all by yourself on a desert island, I know that God's going to take care of you. But I'm assuming none of you are on a desert island right now. You, you can't do this on your own. You want to experience freedom? And listen, I'll just be really honest about this. I want that for you. I want freedom for you. I want victory for you. I want you to live an empowered life. I want that for you. But as a pastor of a church, I'm going to be really selfish and selfishly honest. It has significant ramifications for the church because this church can't do it like, that person's over there doing their thing, and that person... No, 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 no. That doesn't work. It's got to be the church. That's why we're talking about this today. People say, what's the big deal? Why, why, why are we talking about this? What, what's the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal is, because we're about to unpack the vision. I believe this with all my heart. The vision that we're going to unpack this, 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 uh, in this next six weeks. So I just want you to know, a lot of times, I would speak in hyperbole. You know, we all do at times. Oh, everybody, everybody. listen to me. I'm not speaking hyperbole. I believe that what we're going to unpack will have the impact to save tens of thousands of people from eternal hell. I believe that. I believe that what we're going to do and what we're going to talk about, and I believe the vision that we're going to unpack over the next year. Listen to me, I'm going to say it again. It has the potential to impact tens of thousands of lives for Christ to rescue them from hell, that they would enter the kingdom of heaven. But we can't do it on our own. We've got to be serious about this. Like, we've got to, mm, it's got to be like this. This is a team sport, and we've got to be on teams. You've got to have somebody on your team. You've got to have a team. Everybody in this room has to have a team. I don't care if you're in youth. I don't care if the kids are in kids' church. I don't care if you're a senior. I don't care. Everybody's got to be a part of a team. Everybody's got to be a part of the team. Now, let me show you. I want to give you an example of this, Uh, an example of how important this is for all of us, all of us. This is important to every single one of us. This is a passage. We know this, that Jesus came, and he starts walking around, right, and he's picking up disciples, and everybody starts to follow Jesus. Hey, this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is a blam. He's on a cross. And now he, 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 they bury him. They put him in a tomb. And he's there for three days. And all of a sudden, boom, Jesus rises from the dead. And he appears to the disciples again. And they're seeing him. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is so great. And Jesus is like, hey, by the way, I'm going to leave. I'm like, what? Like, he was here 40 days. And now he's going to leave. They're like, what? You're going to leave? And Jesus says this to them. He says, but you're, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, we're a Pentecostal church. If you knew, we're a Pentecostal church. We believe absolutely that the Holy Spirit is alive and working today, that he gives power, that the Spirit empowers us to do unbelievable things in the name of Jesus. Okay, we believe that. So we love to say this part of the verse. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. All right? But it, it doesn't end there. He goes on and he says, And... You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I think one of the important words here is and. Now get a load of this. Get a load of how big the vision is here. Get a load of how big the mission is. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Ooh, that's kind of... Jerusalem would have been about the size of Bloomington. A little smaller, just slightly smaller. That's a big vision. That's big. The mission here is big. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You're not done yet. And... Of Judea, we said this here's all of Judea. Jerusalem is one city, it's the prime gathering place, right? But I didn't say just Jerusalem, I'm saying all of Judea, and he didn't finish there. And in Samaria, there's more to that. Wait, I'm not done. The outermost parts of the world, how big is that vision? It's huge. That's why they're gonna need the Holy Spirit. But he also says this, and I just want you to check this out this word witnesses. In the Greek, it's where we get our word, martyr. Get a load of this. Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to go do great and mighty things, and it may cost you your life. You're going to do some powerful things. This could cost you. I'm going to ask you to do some really hard things. Like this vision just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like the vision is big, so what are they going to do? Well, he goes on, he says, well, then. Now, in some translations, it says so. But the idea is, okay, he told them that. Here's what we got to do. Then the apostles return to Jerusalem. They're only about a, an hour's walk from Jerusalem. They go to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of about a half mile. And when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. This is oftentimes known as perhaps it was the upper room. That's where they've gone. They're all going back there. They're joined. Now, now look all who's, who's joining in on this. Look at this. Here are the names of those who are present. Peter. Anybody know that name? Have you heard that name? Have we talked about Peter before? This dude's a hall of famer. He's a big mucky muck. He's a big kahuna. He's a big deal in the church. It's Peter. Who else was there? John. Oh, snap. John was Jesus' favorite disciple. It's a big deal. He's a Hall of Famer. Right? What about James? John and James, sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. They're a big deal. This isn't James, the half-brother of Jesus. This is James, the brother of John. He's a big deal. Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew. You know that name? Anybody ever heard Matthew's name before? Hall of Famer! Big deal! Right? Simon and Judas, the son of James. Wouldn't you hate to have the name Judas? Like, we don't name kids Judas anymore. Do you know the book of Jude in the Bible? Jude is Jesus' half brother. You know what his name really is? It's Judas. It's Judas. Because, like, nobody names their kid today COVID. Has anybody named their kid? Like, you, you, you don't name your kids COVID. Hey, what's your name? COVID. It's kind of like that. You would name your kid Judas, right? This is Judas, the son of James, not Judas Iscariot. Now look at the list, man. These are Hall of Famers. These are some of the goats, the biggest names. You're like, oh, that dude could light Peter. That dude by himself, Him, he's by himself. He could light the world on fire, right? Now watch what, he, what happens. They were in that upper room, and they all joined together how often? Constantly. Constantly constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. You know why? Because the mission and the vision were so big, they joined together constantly because they need each other, because freedom is a team sport, because the kind of things that they were going to take on, they need to be in freedom. Why? Because freedom is where victory happens, because freedom is where the power of the Spirit can move through us, and it's a team sport, Freedom is a team sport. Freedom is a team sport. You cannot do this thing on your own. And if you're doing it on your own, this church can't do what we're fixing to do in the next year. We can't do it because you're all trying to act alone because I'm trying to do this on my own. And so we've already said this. We've already said, hey, freedom is a team sport. And I've already asked this question, who's on your team? But I want you to catch a little bit of vision for this today because I want to look forward. And I want you to imagine if we all got together, if we were all on teams, if we were all invested in each other's lives. Because I want you to know this if we do that as a church, we're unstoppable. Listen to me. We're unstoppable. Listen to me. I'm not kidding around, I'm not speaking of hyperbole. We are unstoppable. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yeah. Folks, we're unstoppable. But we're unstoppable in the church. We're not unstoppable when we're all just individuals. In the American American culture, it's very in vogue to be like, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I'm a cowboy and I'm alone. That's American culture. That's not biblical culture. That's not Jesus' model for us. right? Even the writer of Hebrews said this, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. Now, we talked a couple weeks ago about the two wings. We talked about the two wings, if you remember that. There's this wing where we sit in rows, and the other wing is where you meet in circles. A lot of folks meet in rows and are never really a part of a team, right? I would say this, a lot of folks meet in circles, but sometimes our circles could just be too casual, we're just getting together so we can share food. I'm saying, I'm talking about investing in each other's life. No, 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 I'm asking you, how are you doing? Uh-uh, no, I'm asking you, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Psst, if you don't tell me that, how can I pray for you? Like, that's the real church, and when we do that, we're unstoppable, and the reason that we're bringing it up is because what we're going to take on in the next year is such a big deal. It's going to take all of us. Let me, can I give you guys one, one last example? You know that, that uh, nights, uh, that there used to be real TV nights. How, do you, how many of you remember that? How many of you remember uh, Thursday nights? What would we call it? Remember it? Must-see TV. Must-see TV, NBC, Thursday nights. Remember that? And it was like Cheers, and I've been Cosby. And I don't know if it was Seinfeld yet. Yeah, but that was must Before there were Thursday nights, there was Sunday night. Sunday night football. There was no Sunday night football. You remember, because number one, Sunday nights was Disney. It was Disney. But here's the other thing, and my pictures are bad, so I'll apologize. Here's the other thing that was Sunday night. How many remember this? Mutual of Omaha's. Come on, somebody. Wild Kingdom. Yes. Mutual of Omaha's. Wild Kingdom. And this dude's name was Marlon Perkins. And Marlon Perkins was the dude that was always in-house. He's always got, he's always got sport coat on. He's always got a tie on. You know, this was Sunday nights before Disney. And he kind of had this voice like this, and tonight we're gonna be that was kind of Marlon Perkins. But the other dude that was on the show was a guy named Jim Fowler. And Jim Fowler was the guy who was always out in the field. He was always out in the field. He was on how many, he'd be on the tonight show with Johnny Carson, he'd bring some crazy animal, and the animal would go to the bathroom or to do something crazy, and, and it was just hilarious. But he was the dude who was always out in the field. Now here, he's got his arm around a, a big, big lion and he's smiling. But a lot of times he was, he was doing this thing. He's out in the safari, and Marlon Perkins is in safety and he's back in the office and he's like, Jim, what do we? And P.S. If you haven't seen the show, I just nailed the impersonation. He's like, Jim, what do we have tonight? And remember, this Jim would be out there and he'd be on the safari and he's like well, Marlon, uh, we have a pack of wildebeest that are over here. And these wildebeest, you know, you know what wildebeest are? They're like cows. They have longer heads. They're like skinny cows, basically. And they kind of have horns. And it's like, we have these wildebeest. And, and they, the wildebeest will get in a pack of like a 1,000. And every time they want to go somewhere, they all just go, this is what wildebeest do, you know? It's like, Marlon, we have this uh, pack of wildebeests, and they're, they're walking out, the, and they're all together together. And he's like, "But if you look really carefully, uh, Marlon, look over here, and he'd point to some area in the tall grass, and he's like, "We have a couple lions that are hanging out, and the lions are just like, they're just like, you know how they are, they're just doing like this, And they're just waiting, because they, they're not going to attack a whole pack of wildebeests. They're not going to do it. They're not. And then all of a sudden, you know how there's just always, you know and you're like, there's always one stupid wildebeest, right? I don't even know what his name is. And he's just like, don't know. Just gonna go over here for a while. You know how he does that? And as soon as he does, boom, that dude is lunch. And they just show it. They show it right on Mutual of Omaha, right? They show it. Like two tigers jump out, two lions jump out, and boom, the dude is lunch, and they just eat him. And they just show it, like, and they're just eating this wildebeest, right? Church, we're not that much different. I'm telling you, I want you to get the vision for this because what we're going to take on in the next year is big. I mean, this is bigger than anything we've taken on. And I'm telling you, if we're together and the Spirit of God empowers us, we are unstoppable. And I'm telling you, this will will speak into history. And tens of thousands of people are going to come to know Jesus Tens of thousands of people. So I want to give you the big so what? Because the big so what we've kind of talked about already. I want you to remember this. Listen, man. When we're together, we are unstoppable. And I want to, and I want to just cast vision to that. What would it look like? What would it look like? What would it look like? But I, but I just want to. I just want you to. I want you to hear some truth this morning, because I want you to get the rest of it. Right, man you, you and I we're lunchable listen, listen to what Peter says beware of your adversary the who the devil who, roars, who, who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. devour folks alone we're every one of us we're lunchable we're lunchable no together we are an unstoppable force you go, Neil, why, wait? So listen, so here's what we're doing. The reason that we're, the reason that I'm just hammering this home today and the reason I want you to see this is because in two weeks, in two weeks, we're going to start a, a whole series uh, for life groups. It'll start a series for life groups. It'll go along with the messages every Sunday. Our team has put together an amazing study guide. It'll have lessons. It'll have discussions for your life group. It'll have devotions for every day. Think about that. If we're all studying together, if we're all studying together, if we're all reading and praying together, man, church, is going to get us ready. So I'm just asking, if you're not in a life group, it's time. It's time. It's time. There's a table in the back. You can always go onto the website. You can ask any of us. Right? We'll help you. We'll help you. We'll steer you in the right direction. But it's time. It's time. Like Here's the other thing. I'm just going to say this. Right? Let's just say you're newer to this church. You say, well, I don't know anybody at this church. Or maybe my friend invited me. Hey, do you know two people at this church? Do you know two people? Okay, look. Even technically, if you don't sign up as a life group, could you just get together with somebody? You, everybody's going to get a discussion guide. Everybody in the church, you're going to be handed out this guide. Right? Would you get together? Would you meet with somebody? Would you do that regularly? Life groups, what we're asking is, I know some of you have got some studies going, and they're awesome, and I'm all for that. 100% I'm all for that. But we're asking all life groups to just, would you do this? Would you just, would you just stop it for five weeks? It doesn't start next week. It'll start the week after that. You'll all have the book already. You all have the book. And would you stop it for five weeks? Would you just go through that together? Can we all be discussing the same thing? Can we all be praying about the same thing? Can we all be getting our hearts ready? Can we all be be just taking steps through the vision, what it's going to take? It's bigger than anything we've taken on. It's going to be a really big deal. We're all going to be a part of it. We're all going to be a part of it. And together, we're unstoppable. We're unstoppable. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. God, we just thank you for uh, what you have for us as a church. I thank you for what you've put on my heart. I thank you, Father, for this church. I thank you just for the confidence that you give, God, for the courage that you give. Father, I thank you for the impact and for the changed lives that are going to happen here at Cedar Valley Church. I thank you for the changed lives in this community. And even then, God, as it just continues to radiate out to the outermost parts of the world, I'm grateful for that, Lord grateful for that thank you god for what you're going to do we're already thanking you I'm thanking you for the way that you're going to raise up leaders. I'm thanking you for the way that you're even putting us in groups right now. I would pray for those, Father, this morning who don't, who don't have a group. They're not part of a group. And I'm praying that you would move them, not to just hear the word, but to be doers of the word, God, that they would be moved, that they would either join an existing group. Maybe they would decide, hey, I'm going to start a group. I'm going to lead a group. Hey, I'm at least going to get together with some friends, and we're at least going to talk through this and pray through this for these next five weeks when we begin this. Lord, I'm so excited. I'm grateful for what you're doing. So, God, we say this. It's not about building a greater Cedar Valley Church. It's not. It has nothing to do with building a greater Cedar Valley Church. It has to do with expanding your kingdom. It has to do with making disciples. I'm grateful for the people that you're already putting us in touch with who are, who are helping with this to cast vision and, and, and to clarify. Thank you for that, Lord. So move us. Move us. Move your people. Change our hearts. Change our hearts, God. Expand your kingdom. Expand your kingdom. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. We're grateful. Thank you, Lord. Oh, 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 oh,